to you live from Plughead Studios in beautiful Largo, Florida. We are keeping you plugged in with episode 441 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. This week, Facebook goes to court, Yahoo goes to Verizon, and uh, Stranger Things goes on. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here. And uh, wherever you are and however you may be accessing the show, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the podcast podcast play app available in the Windows Store right now, um, on the myriad of Android, iOS, and Windows Phone uh, podcatchers, of course, on our apps, plughitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us part of your day. Um... Whether you're listening live or joining us uh, pre-recorded, we appreciate it. If you want to join us live, you can do so Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And uh, you can, one of the cool things about joining us live is that you can chat with us in the studio as we talk about uh, whatever topics are our topics for the week. Um, we particularly like to get input during the uh, pilch point because... We oftentimes go a little editorial in that section in a fun kind of a way. Uh, so we always like to get input on that. But of course, you can talk to us throughout the entire show. We always appreciate it. If you're not joining us live, that is okay. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, you can do so by going to f5live.tv and clicking the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. You can subscribe to any of our shows from there, including this one, our flagship show, F5 Live Refreshing Technology. The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, who is sitting right next to me on the screen and who will be joining me for the entire episode. But of course, the Pilch Point gets broken out later as well. Uh, you can listen to the 3000 Brigade special events, um, our new series, First Looks, or one of our other new series coming soon, uh, one of which we are in a bit of a naming crisis with um, because of a news story that happened this week. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about <laughs> what we're here to talk about is uh is tech stuff but before we do that abram how you doing fantastic fantastic great did you uh did you take the opportunity last week to do anything interesting since uh i was uh dead after the convention <laughs> uh well that was uh, a really big work night for me uh which we'll get into in the pilch point because i spent we, we put up a review of Windows 10 Anniversary Edition, and I had to have it uh, live on our website by 9 a.m. exactly in the morning, and I was still working on it pretty intently until uh, like 3 or 4 a.m. Sunday night while doing something that is in another one of our topic sections, watching a new show on Netflix. So it's all, uh, it's all coming together. Um, I always so, like it when the show does that. But it... <laughs> But uh, it's been a it's been a real Windows and Office uh, week for me. With there's a bunch of announcements and a bunch of exciting things happening that can't wait to can't wait to talk about. And uh, and I just had a fun time with my son making 3D models of him with a, with our RealSense camera. So nice. I don't really have anything interesting to say about that, but uh, except that there's still only like five apps for it. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. We uh at at Collision. A year and a half ago, we played around. We had somebody who brought, you know, a real sense thing and and 
scanned tray and since then seemingly nothing of any value has changed yeah there's like a dozen uh, maybe not five there's like a dozen maybe a dozen and a half apps most of which are not that great but you know what can i say i had this idea that i would i would take it out of the drawer and try it again and i was like oh i bet isaac would really enjoy this so we took out the 3d one where you can put your head on all these different bodies Uh uh-huh and he was and he he was uh, tickled pink. So I guess for four-year-olds, it's a fantastic thing for about half an hour. That's the technology. And that's pretty disappointing considering how much money they've put into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, we don't have control over that. We don't have control over their marketing or, or development budget. No. Oh, well. Anyway, oh. I guess on that note, let's talk about some other things we don't have any control over. <laughs> This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Students, save $300 right now on a Surface Pro 4 or a Surface Book. Um, You can also save up to $449 if you add an Xbox into the mix. Um, The Xbox One right now, if you're not looking for a computer and you're looking for gaming, and the, the 4K and HDR stuff of the new Xbox One S, aren't your selling point right now 249 will get you the first generation xbox one out the door and it comes with all kinds of stuff as well you've got the new uh xbox design lab of course things like office windows 10 if you uh managed to miss the free update um windows phone all kinds of things are available right now by going to f5live.tv slash microsoft It was a little uh, tease for later. <laughs> anyway, so um, <sighs> Hewlett Packard, <laughs> that poor company, has um, had a rough go of it. In fact, the whole computer industry, we've seen, like over the last decade, we've seen such a landscape change, right? Like Compaq, the company that created the non-IBM personal computer went to went to HP. IBM doesn't do computers anymore. They sold their stuff off to Lenovo. Dell, which was once like the company uh, for personal computers, uh, went private. Sony got out of the market altogether. Uh, and it, HP last year split in half. Oh, and don't forget don't forget our long don't forget e-machines yes e-machines e-machines and gateway who both went uh to acer a number of years ago um yeah the it's been a weird like consolidation and shift in that industry hard it seems like every time we turn around something is changing there but hp in particular has had some trouble um dating back interestingly to their absorption of compact and um, if you if you follow essentially every CEO that has run HP since then, other than Meg Whitman, who is now in charge of one of the two HPs, um, everybody who has been CEO, including uh, Carly, who 
was the CEO who chose to purchase Compaq. They've all essentially been fired for incompetence in one way or another. No, um, no, no. Wasn't there one guy who was, fought, who was fired for sexual harassment instead? Mark Hurd. But I think having a corporate prostitute on the payroll is a good indication of incompetence. <laughs> so, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be really specific about why they were fired. But, um, but he landed on his feet as the new CEO of Oracle, so it's fine. Um, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, they're, 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 they've had a lot of issues. Indeed. For sure. And, um, HPE, which is one of the two new Hewlett Packards, um, which is the enterprise, former enterprise division. Now it's called Hewlett Packard Enterprise or in the industry, basically just known as HPE, um, is the one that's struggling, which is interesting because it's the side of the business that that the shortest tenured CEO of HP, Leo, whatever his last name was, uh, thought was Apotheker. the, yeah, there you go, was the, the side of the business that was going to be the big success. And it turns out it's the one that they're having the most trouble with, mostly because of some acquisitions that he made. Um, there was the, uh, the company, uh, what was it called? It was a software services company that started with an A, uh, Autonomy, that that uh, Leo purchased, um, that he had a personal financial stake in, and it turned out, oh, the company was faking its revenue numbers, and HP had to write off $8.8 billion on the purchase. Oops. Um, No wonder he was fired outright. They said it for incompetence. Um, anyway, um, they are in the situation where they are thinking about what to do with themselves. There's been a constant shift of strategy and focus and even management. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, they changed basically their entire upper management team in the hopes of, uh, not looking like a disaster and wrong. It hasn't happened. So they are considering doing one of a couple of things. One, stay the course, which is probably not what's going to happen. Um, two, going the Dell route and uh, finding some venture, not venture capitalists, but uh, some uh, equity firms to take the company private or going the Yahoo route and selling parts of their business off. So that should be interesting. It sounds like splitting the company in half was... Not quite, but maybe exactly what the company needed to do. Maybe they needed to get. Maybe it was good for the PC business, right? Maybe they needed to get the rotting wood out of the out of the ship so that they didn't sink. Although, ironically, I think when they did it, there was this belief that like the software and services part was going to be the successful one, uh-huh. because a lot of companies, and I, I think this is still true, um, but I think there's also been a little bit of pushback on this idea that like PCs are over. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be in the PC business anymore. Let's get out. Uh, I mean, remember they were going to totally sell that whole division to somebody uh, and, or, or close it or something. Uh-huh. And then that was also just, under Leo's tenure. As right, CEO. <laughs> right. Wanted to be software and services, which I can understand why business people like the idea of software and services because the, the risk to reward is seemingly a lot uh, greater. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we don't have to manufacture anything and deal with inventory. 
you know, we just have to make some software and provide some services and plus you know. the idea of recurring revenue from right. from enterprise software is nice, you know, with with models like, you know, Office 365 and things like that, it's been proven that enterprises would prefer to to do uh, that kind of subscription model because um, it's not uh, it you don't have to devalue it and stuff like that over time and you can write it all off as an expense right away which is a much better also, situation it's, it's less subject to the vicissitudes of, of uh, corporate purchasing and things like right. that like you, you're going to stick with your services versus uh, I can just let this PC go for another two years so but it was also believed that that hardware couldn't go that way and Apple and Microsoft are proving that to be an incorrect assumption because between Apple's iPhone forever plan and Microsoft's uh, uh, Surface by the month subscription thing, you know, the big guys are proving that hardware can also be uh, recurring revenued. Yes, ex exactly. And also, I think, you know, despite this, the, the, failing numbers i think what people are, are seeing is that um pcs are not over uh because i think that some of the enthusiasm some of the um euphoria about like about other devices has become a little bit has tamped down a bit like look yeah people aren't buying a new phone every year or every two years like they were all the time because the the they already have the phones and the functionality isn't getting that much better. Right. And tablets have turned out, just standalone tablets, not two-in-ones, have turned out to be, in a lot of cases, a fad. So Netbook 2.0. Right. So, you know, I, I think people have come back to the idea that, like, you know, people are going to use different types of computing devices and, and uh, PCs are not, are one that people still need. But uh, nevertheless... Um, yeah, I think I think it's hard to. I mean, I think it's it sounds like a good business to be in if you can if you can make a dent. But at the same time, how many different competing services? If you're offering, how many different competing services are there that people have to right. choose from? And how are you going to to make your way in right. that in that space? Right. And once it gets once it gets too crowded, how do, how does a, a buying manager make a decision? How do you weigh Azure and AWS and you know whatever Google's offering, and then IBM and right, <laughs> whatever like HPE a, is offering? How do you how do you weigh all those things before making a decision? That's a crowded. I mean, that's a crowded marketplace, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and if you're trying to be the one to break in, then you're gonna have you know then you have as much to prove as if you're trying to break into the cell phone market for the first time. Right. Uh, also, basically, H HP, either half of it, should never be allowed to buy another company again. <laughs> they should never be... I mean, I agree. They, they are the poster child for a, like, new toy syndrome. Mm -hmm. I've seen it... I've seen oh. it happen... At, I've seen it happen... Uh, I've seen it happen across the industry, so they're not the only uh, ones guilty of it. Yeah, they're, cer but, they're certainly not a standout or stand alone, but they are but, a standout. But every time they buy, every time they spend all this money acquiring another company and it's like a new toy. Like if you, it's like, it's like I give my son a new toy and he's really excited about it for like the first day because uh -huh. it's new and yeah. he hasn't played with it before. Then the next day is like, 
you gave me another new toy. Yeah, what this one's going in the back. What's the and next thing I can play with? What's the next thing I can play with? So you look at what happened to Voodoo, which was a boutique uh, game PC company mm-hmm. uh, that they totally they bought and totally destroyed everything that it had to do with it. Um, and then my personal heartache. Um, uh, you know, there was that so was much a whole platform that they that they decided that they. Like they put a teensy bit of effort into it, and then other things came up, and they couldn't they couldn't follow through. Like it's because one thing Leo to wanted something. to get rid of hardware. It's one thing to buy something, and it's another thing to actually like nurture it. And oh. every time you buy a company, you're like, oh, they're gonna be, we're gonna make them better. But you have to actually, and you can't. It's not just enough to just spend the money and say we bought this and then throw it in the garbage can. Right. You have to actually. If that company wasn't that success, wasn't successful enough on its own, in addition to what you paid for it, you have to invest in it. You have to you hold have to, their hand. You have to stick with it, right? Yep. And in the case of Palm, they didn't stick with it at all. Like there was a, you know, they came out with one tablet that they put that was a half-hearted effort at best. Yeah. They came out with what? One phone, two phones. There was, there was the, there was the Veer, and the. Pre two, which kept the Palm name, and then the Pre three uh, never saw the light of day. And, and I have was, one, but it never made it to market. And then wasn't there all? There was a really brief uh, period where they promised to actually put Palm OS on your computer, right? Yes. Wasn't it going to come on all HP computers as yep. an alternate OS? Yes, it was. Did any actually ship with it? No, sir. Right. So again, it's like, well, we, we you know, we spent. Didn't they spend at least a billion dollars? Oh yeah, one point three, I believe. Right, and and then they were like, ah, time to throw the toy away. We didn't, it didn't pay off for us immediately. Uh-huh. So, you know, all these other companies that they've acquired to be software and services, the same thing seems to be happening. Obviously, Mercury Interactive, Vertica, and then obviously uh, the one we just mentioned, Autonomy. So they sh- they should just concentrate on trying to build their own stuff something just on their core businesses and stop trying to acquire other people's businesses because clearly um it doesn't work for them clearly they don't they don't know how to onboard those businesses in a way that's in a way that that maintains the value of what they bought like not only do i feel sorry for the people who worked at these companies who probably a lot most of them lost their job but I feel sorry for the marketplace, and I feel sorry for HP's investors. Like yeah. you spent 1.3 billion dollars on Palm, but you couldn't you couldn't stick with it for more than what six months. Yeah. So, yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to buy anything. You put uh, you put a, an HP branded Palm tablet on the market for 79 days. You put the Veer on the market for 36 days, and the the Pre three was canceled the day before it launched. It's like, that it's is what like, we got out of that $1.3 billion investment. I went and did ran the numbers on it, and it came out to, like, every pre-3 and should have retailed, that was manufactured, should have retailed for, like, $1,100 or something like that, just based on taking the $1.3 and splitting it across every, every um, veer. They made, like, 11 veers. Um however many HP or pre threes they made. And then the tablets, the touchpads. If you, if you spread the 1.3 across the hardware, like the tablet should have been like $3,500 a piece or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, you know, not to belabor the point, but I think there are examples of companies who know how to buy another company mm -hmm. and integrate them successfully. Uh, Dell and Alienware, I think, is like the best example yeah. of that. Um, but, but yeah, what were, what were we saying there? Yeah, they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a systemic problem. But hopefully, like from a from a I want HP to be the HP it used to be. Um, back when, if you were buying like a computer monitor and you were buying anything other than HP, you were insane. Like you know, HP used to own absolutely own some markets, and as I would love to see, because I mean, for me, there was a time where basically everything that I owned was HP. I had an HP laptop. The the, the computer that you used to run on was an HP. All of my computer monitors were HPs. I had an HP phone and an HP tablet. Like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing an HP logo around here. And today, that is not the case. I am looking at a Microsoft tablet. Your computer is a Dell. The monitors ironically are gateways. <laughs> which wow, which leads ancient. us back. Yeah, right? They're actually not because they're just Acer monitors, but whatever. Oh, I thought they were. I had heard that they were phasing out the brand. Oh, that's uh, possible. I, these yeah. these have been around for yeah. a little while, but I mean, there's nothing other than the monitors, which they still rock at because they're Samsung monitors. Uh, uh, the I don't have anything HP around me anymore. I would love to see them get back to the point where you'd be insane to buy something else. You know what I mean? It would be to, great to see them be able to pull that off. To be fair, from a laptop perspective, they have come out with some. They have come out with some good ones in the last few months. Yes, they have. Uh, they have. I think the Spectre X three sixties and the thirteen and fifteen inch size both are are really good. Uh, the EliteBook Folio uh, G one is a really innovative uh, innovative laptop, business laptop. Very thin, very light, good good performance, but but unfortunately, uh, weak battery life. But they, you know, they've been making some effort on these on these fronts. On the and that's front. and that's the other HP, right? And, and that's, that's the other HP. And that's the, the thing Enterprise that I'm hoping. One, I can't, you know, Enterprise One. Well, obviously, they're they're having some issues. Well, I, I'm hoping that what we're seeing here is that they got rid of the rotting wood. The ship is now repaired, and HP will once again be the company that you'd be crazy to ignore. For their sake, <laughs> because, yep. because it was a long time that they were the company you'd be crazy to ignore. If you were carrying something else, you were obviously in financial straits. You know, it was just, especially in like the business world, if you saw somebody carrying something else, either your company had, had an agreement with Dell because Dell had the servers and your company had an exclusive agreement with Dell or you were in financial straits. We may be heading back to that place, and for their investors, <laughs> I guess, hopefully that's the case. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The wonderful headphones that are on my head right now are finally officially available to everybody everywhere. Um, the Monster Elements 
um, available right now. Uh, they are wired and Bluetooth. They are the most comfortable over-the-ear uh, headphones I have ever worn. They come in a variety of element-based colors, as you can guess, you know, platinum and gold and uh, rose gold and black onyx and something else. Um, they are available right now. Plus, of course, you can also get the ones that I'm wearing with the Ghostbusters logo on the inside. You can get the end tunes with the monster or with the Ghostbusters on the outside. And the Clarity HD is the ones that we talked about from CES. All available right now. But of course, it's all about the sound. And uh, with Pure Monster Sound, you're guaranteed to hear exactly what the producers wanted you to hear, whether it be music, speaking, uh, you know, podcasts, audiobooks, doesn't matter. You'll hear exactly what you're supposed to. And you can find out your style by going to f5live.tv slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram is right there. I am. <laughs> I am. Exciting times. Exciting Indeed. times at LaptopMag.com and Tom'sGuide.com where I am the online editorial director. Uh, and, uh, of course, I share all this stuff on my Facebook and on Twitter at Geek and Chief. The, uh, this was a big week for us because of all of the Windows 10 stuff happening. Uh, Windows 10 and some Office stuff, too. Uh, so there's a lot to say. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it to the highlights. Definitely a big uh, Microsoft week so far. And then another week. one coming up. And another one coming up. So uh, this, whether you're listening to this live or, or later, uh it's over. There's no more free uh, Windows 10 upgrades. Uh, the upgrade program ended on Friday. Actually, technically speaking, depending on your time zone, it ended at 6 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Um, but it's over now. And that means that if you want to upgrade your Windows 7 or 8 uh, computer to Windows 10, you will have to buy a license for at least $119. Um, that's for the home version. The pro is more. Uh -huh. um, uh, I I understand Microsoft's. I guess I understand Microsoft's logic. Uh, I have to say, I wrote an article which you guys could read on laptopmag.com, <laughs> saying that this that ending the program after a year is is foolish uh, from Microsoft from a pro Microsoft perspective. Like, you know, I I, I agree. People should have upgraded. You know, I upgraded um, my main computers. Although, I had a couple, I had a computer, a couple computers that we had to try for a really long time to upgrade. So I wouldn't say they that they definitely made it easy for everyone. Uh, my and mom's computer gave up. You know? And for those following along, uh, we have spoken in the past that there was one computer left in our office that was still running Windows 8, and that's the computer that you were on. And uh, I will say that you are no longer running on Windows 8. You are now running on Windows 10. So, But uh, from Microsoft's perspective, they sh you have to believe that they want people to be running Windows 10, uh, that there's extreme economic value to them. Mm -hmm. for, for, you know, they're not, they, a lot of people falsely believe that they were giving Windows 10 away as some sort of generous gift to the world. Uh, no, the upgrade program was because 
there are certain things that they need people to be on the Windows 10 platform for. Right. They want the Windows Store to take off and people to be buying apps through that. Mm -hmm. You can't run the Windows Store on 7 and on 8. I'm not sure if you can run all those apps on 8. I know they have a store, but I don't know if it's 100% compatible. Anything that's... You know? Anything that's UWP is 10 and beyond. It will not be back. It's not backwards to eight. So right. the eight, right. eight, one, and 10 are all three versions of a thing. And 10 is very different than eight and eight, one. Right. That's what, that's what I thought. But I know they have a state. It's been a while since I've used eight. Cause once <laughs> I upgraded to 10, I did not look back, but uh -huh, me too. Uh, but, and I, I, I think eight, most people, it will be in there with Vista. But did you know that 10% of people, uh, as of according to net applications, which measure these things, 10% of devices on the internet in June were, were 8 or 8.1. Um, only 19.1% were Windows 10. 49% huh. were Windows 7. Okay. So... So... I, I don't know why, but my but as you geared up for that and my stomach churned because I was so afraid you were going to say something like XP. <laughs> no, XP... X, I think XP is still something like 7%, though. It's definitely... There's definitely still an XP crowd, unfortunately. Which is and horrifying. There's even, people, there's even people running Vista. Um, there's It's it's kind of funny if you look at... The, if you Google, like, uh, uh, operating system market share and you look at the desktop OS market share, which is assembled by this place called net applications every month and um i think it's netmarketshare.com anyway not to digress into the, the the fine points here but from 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 window from microsoft's perspective they said that 300 million people have so far are so far running or maybe 300 million devices to be totally technically correct are so far running windows 10 so that means so if that's 19 percent and windows 8 and 7 are 60%. That means that 900 million, that three times as many people or more uh -huh. uh, are not running Windows 10 and could have been, could have upgraded. Well, some of those are enterprise customers who would have to pay for the upgrade. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, that's hundreds of millions of people certainly who didn't upgrade in the first year. I promise you they're not if they didn't upgrade in the 12 months of it being free they're not going to pay $119. Nope. There's going to be five people on earth who do that. So <laughs> if they think that's a revenue stream, they're smoking something. Um, the you know obvi obviously the reason that Microsoft there's a couple reasons why Microsoft probably chose to end the program. One was they wanted to be to stand on principle like we told you at a year, you had to hurry up and do it. Now we really mean it. It's over. Um, the other reason might be I heard there was some theory on computerworld.com that OEMs want Microsoft to end it because they think that people will be more likely to buy a computer, new computer, if they can't get Windows 10 for free, uh -huh. which seems like a really awkward argument because, uh -huh. like, if you weren't going to pay a hundred, get it for free, and you weren't going to pay $119 for it, now you're going to pay $500 to buy a whole new computer to get it? No. Uh, so, anyway. Microsoft is is in my view shooting itself and it's and more importantly shooting its developers in, in the foot. Hello? Hello. We have a little bit of a sounds like there's a hamster running in a in a jar. Interesting. Anyway, so
not here online. Um, anyway, so yeah, interesting problem of development. You know, you develop a universal that. Our connection has definitely gone sideways on us. Okay. Wait um, a second. Now you sound all all better. Oh, so do you. Fantastic. Yeah. So we'll continue. I, maybe there was literally a bug in the fan. Um, sort of like in that movie Pie, where he finds a bug in the Pentium. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, the so what I was trying to say was, you know, it, you develop uh, universal Windows apps, right, uh -huh. for the store. So by cutting off this upgrade program, they've cut off all these potential customers. Yes. And not just for apps, but for things like. Um, some of the other things you can only do on 10. Can, you, can, you can only use Edge on 10. Correct. You can only use Groove Music on 10, right? No. Uh, okay. It was called Xbox Music on 8 and 8.1, uh, but it's all the same thing. But you can't use it on 7. Correct. Right? Uh, so, from, from the web browser, you can. Uh, so but, from Internet Explorer, you absolutely can. Okay. But, it's, but most likely someone would only use it if they actually had the app. Right. Agreed. So... so they're doing all these things. They're kind of like turning away these customers, and 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 let's not even forget the data collection that they're doing yeah. uh, of people that that has value. The ads that they're serving them. So I don't know. Somewhere hidden in Microsoft, somebody probably has a spreadsheet where they figured out the exact value of a user, like you know, of a customer who's running Windows 10. And I promise you, it's I promise you, it's more than it's not it's not zero. It's you know that's for sure. So, so I don't totally, you know, understand their logic uh, with what they're doing, but hey, we, we got to live with it. Now, if you're on Windows 10, uh, you can expect a big update coming next, coming in the, this week, uh, rolling out starting this week, uh, what, we, what they call anniversary update. Um, if you're already a Windows Insider, you already have these features. So, um, you know, they and, gave it. And one that isn't coming over which one isn't coming which is the one that isn't coming over message syncing between 10 prime and 10 mobile hmm yeah that, well, one, that one goes away because the uh, the messaging platform is being revamped so one of the new features um, is that I actually think has the has some potential, but isn't executed quite like I'd like it. Is the SMS syncing with your phone, which I know isn't the same thing, but Cortana now has that whole whole thing where it can sync, where you can get an SMS message on your desktop, uh, and it works in Android as well. Yes, uh, which is where I've primarily been using it, and um, it's a nice idea. The problem is if you're really going to do SMS messaging. Um, on your computer, I would, I would advise people to get a dedicated app that does that, like My SMS, which is free, or Pushbullet, which is freemium, uh, because uh, you know the the Cortana um, SMS. Holy cow! I just said the Cortana, and it it actually started popping up a thing on my desktop. Um, <laughs> uh, isn't threaded so it just pops up and you answer it and you can't see the, the chat um, that's one of the key things that you get with anniversary other key things which we covered in our anniversary update review which is on laptopmag.com are getting Cortana on your lock screen 
uh-huh. which uh, some see as a convenience. And, For better or worse. And I see as potentially a security hole. Um, it's, it's an interesting, it's somewhat of an interesting question, and I pose it to you. Do you think that having the ability to set reminders without logging in that show up on your phone and on Cortana reminders without having to have a password and having to log in is a security threat? I think any data entry without authentication is a problem. We, we had this discussion at my job, and I took the side that you take, which is that you, you could do something malicious. If I can walk over to your computer while it's locked and say, remind me to do something at 5 o'clock on Saturday, and it can show up on your phone as a reminder, and Cortana reminds you of it, that I've done something bad to you, whereas uh, s- several other folks who shall remain nameless, <coughs> my boss, um, that <laughs> they'll say it, you know, uh, that they thought that the worst thing you could do to somebody with uh, reminders is is just, just to give them a prank and tell them to do something silly, and they just won't do it. But you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't have the best imagination for figuring out what you could do. Tell someone to go to a bad neighborhood, or, and the, or my, my concern. My concern know. is that most of Cortana runs server side, and so there's the potential that the 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 firewall between what you can and cannot do on the lock screen versus um, behind normal Cortana um, may be breachable. The other thing is they have a setting which they should not even allow you to should not even exist that will allow you to use Cortana to do other things with Cortana uh-huh. on your lock screen. It's not on by default, but it's there and it's easy to turn on, yep. which will allow you to send email, check your calendar. Or add things to your calendar. Um, what what else can you do there? Set well email e- email and calendar, and I think uh, I think oh, and get business intelligence. Like several really really important things from your lock screen. Yeah. Uh, including you know if you walk over to someone's lock screen and you say something like email Scott. Even if you don't know that there's a Scott, right? Like uh-huh. what last name and email is. It'll show you all the Scots in my address book. Yep. To choose from. So um, so you could, you know, get a lot out of someone's computer um, that way if they have that enabled. Uh, so I think th- that's extremely risky. I understand that it's not on by default, but your computer – Windows also doesn't come with the Dox Me button on the start menu. So, <laughs> so I don't think Microsoft should have had that in there. Um, I'm not a big fan of the whole Cortana lock screen thing in the first place because if you're going to have a lock screen, the point of it is should is it should be to remain lo- to to remain locked. Like with Windows Hello, you can walk over your computer and you can be logged in by the time you finish saying the word Cortana. So right. there's really no excuse for for putting potentially sensitive stuff on the lock screen. I'm with you. Uh, I, uh, I don't understand this on Android where they do it on some some devices, and I really don't understand it on on your on your PC with Cortana. Um, you know, finally, I think the other big thing that people notice in Anniversary Edition is Windows Ink, uh, which you'll only really notice if you have a device with an active pen, likely a Surface or a Surface Book. <laughs> uh, it is a nice idea. You you click the pen and then you get to write sticky notes or do sketching. Uh, with, you know, it pulls up a list of some some apps, third party, and a few kind of lame first party apps that you can pen write pen with. But they haven't fundamentally taken advantage, solved the problems that Pen has in Windows, which is 
that it's still not easy enough to use a pen in the applications that you actually use every day rather than try to turn everyone into a junior sketch artist. You know, it's you still have that terrible handwriting keyboard that is sits at the bottom of the screen like a wart and you have to write on it and it, it interprets my handwriting correctly about 75% of the time or less. Uh, and, you know, they need to they need to focus on that. Agreed. They, you know, other than on cute cutesy uses, they need to focus on I'm in line, I'm waiting at a convention, I'm in line, I want to write I want to write an article in Microsoft Word or I want to write it in my web browser into our directly into our CMS and I'm standing up so the best way for me to write is using a pen. Help me do it on the screen yeah. in the apps that I already use. Absolutely. You know. So information about all this fun stuff, you can find it www.laptopmag.com where all of our Windows coverage lives we've got uh, coverage of all kinds of other stuff on tomsguide.com and you can check me out uh, by looking me up Avram Pilch at Facebook or follow me at Geek in Chief well I look forward to uh, the the onslaught that will be uh, update Tuesday <laughs> with <laughs> With the anniversary update now, it's it's important to note that not that it will be a phased rollout on Tuesday. Everybody will not get it all at once. It has has something to do with with ping rate and things like that. There are there are conditions for when you will get it. So if you do not get it right away, it says, "Oh no, there's no update available." It's lying to you. There's no update available for you just yet. Check back later in the day. So. Yeah, that's that's a universal truth of, of Windows Update. Absolutely. Especially when you've got one as big as this, uh, just days after the Xbox One uh, got it as well. So um, all of that is important to note. So, But if you're an insider, you probably already have it. Right. Uh, you know, so. Anyway, as always, uh, we appreciate the information, Avram. You'll be sticking around for the rest of uh, F5 Live, but for this we will talk to you next week This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Origin by Electronic Arts. Battlefield Hardline Criminal Activity on the house right now. Uh, you can get it for free. Uh, download it now. Keep it forever. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about Origin Access. For $4.99 a month, you get unlimited access to all of the games in the vault. Um, usually services like this tend to uh to put kind of older titles and things like that but not the case here mass effect 3 and 7 the digital deluxe edition um available fifa 16 unravel battlefield 4 premium edition uh need for speed deluxe battlefield hardline so that you can use the dlc that's in the <laughs> it's in the on the house you can use it here titanfall deluxe edition all kinds of stuff uh available 29 titles right now available in the in the vault you can find out what all those titles are and sign up 
by going to f5live.tv slash origin. So a company we have not talked about in the gaming aspect of the internet in a long while is Facebook, mostly because uh, they seem to have fallen out of favor with everybody. Um, number of years ago, you know, all of the all of the games that we consider to be mobile and social today kind of got their start in that in the Facebook world, right? You had um, uh, Farmville, so Zynga got its start as a Facebook partner, and um, there was the Playfish that EA shut down um, a couple of years ago. You know, lots of companies kind of got started in that space, and then it mostly tapered off. There are ways for games to uh, to continue to take advantage of Facebook. Uh, you know, words with friends and trivia crack and things like that still connect through Facebook, but um, your monetary transactions tend to not take place through Facebook. Uh, that is because of the concept of Facebook credits that were such a disaster. In, uh, in 2011, uh, Facebook uh, was really proud of their system and they said, you know what? Facebook credits, if you're using the Facebook gaming platform, you have to use them, um, period. It's the only option, you have to incorporate them as your currency. Well, that pissed some people off. Um, as time went on that year, staying in 2011, uh, Facebook started to get even cockier, and they said, you know what? We're going to get into mobile payments, too. Well, what that did was uh, it angered uh, partners like Zynga, who a month later started to pull away from Facebook altogether. And uh, today we know that I don't even think you can make payments for Zynga games through Facebook uh, payments, but you know, in 2011, your only option for Zynga was through Facebook credits. Um, in 2012, however, we saw basically the end of the Facebook credit concept because of a class action lawsuit filed against them. Um, it so the problem that arose was uh, Facebook allows anybody 13 and older to sign up for their service, and any active account could purchase Facebook credits with a debit or credit card attached to the account. What they did not do was verify that the purchases were authorized. Oops. So uh, what would happen is like, you know, uh, a parent would uh, purchase maybe $20 for their kid. And then the they would forget to disassociate the debit card and the kid not understanding you know, at 13, you don't understand how money works, and you certainly don't understand how Facebook credits necessarily relate to real-world currency. And so what would happen is people, the kids would spend spend Facebook credits, and it would just go into their parents' debit or credit card. And they had no idea. Like, it doesn't come up and go, hey, this is good. Like, there was no big warning or anything. They just assumed everybody understood, and they didn't. And then, of course, there was the scenario where kids were uh, stealing their parents, borrowing their parents' debit or credit card and attaching it themselves, which they're not allowed to do, but it becomes the legal responsibility of the retailer, not of the child, because they're under 18 and cannot enter into contracts on their own. So Facebook 
was sued. And that was in 2012. It took until this week <laughs> for it to finally make its way into court and through court. And um, a California judge has said that um, Facebook was 100% liable for all of the purchases made. And um, if you are the parent of a child who lost money to Facebook and was not able to get it back, either through your credit card company or however, um, Facebook is required to return all of your money. The end, period. Boop. No questions asked. How much money? Do you know? Do we know how much money it is? Um, I was not able to get a hard number, but it is estimated to be somewhere in the uh, nine-digit realm. So... Hundred plus million dollars. I'm sh- I'm sure Mark keeps that in his glove compartment, right? I'm sure I'm I'm sure that's I'm sure that's like you know in there with the quarters for the parking meter. <laughs> but it is a any any kind of like legal defeat like this, especially when it comes to what they thought was going to be their business model pre-IPO um, is problematic for them. Because, you know, investors bought into the concept of Facebook based on a theoretical business model that has essentially, well, I mean, it has been put out of its misery because the concept of Facebook credits don't exist anymore. Um, they've gone to Facebook payments instead, which is essentially the same thing works in real world instead of uh, like Xbox points. Um, But, you know, anytime the business model that your investors got on board with is challenged and stepped on in court, it, it certainly makes you look bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, but on the other hand, earlier in this program, we were talking about HP, which has lost a lot more money. Over a lot, over a lot less, uh, for a lot less of a good reason. Um, Fair enough. So obviously, if you're if you're large enough, you can afford to to make mistakes, even hundred million dollar mistakes. Wish I could. Um, right. But you know, yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, obviously that's a boo boo, and, <laughs> and I hope that you know, and I bet somebody got fired over it. But uh, you know, it, it's. At the same time, you know, they, uh, you know, Facebook, Facebook is, continues to be a, a company that's full of potential, uh, if not for, um, if not always for the payment part of it. Uh, since 2011, they've acquired Oculus, which makes them a player in VR. Uh, the Facebook uh, instant articles is becoming a huge deal. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, the, I uh, said that. The, the Raw Voice, the company that owns the Tech Podcast Network um, and also produces the podcasting product called uh, PowerPress, uh, recently integrated. They put out a new version integrating instant articles. You have to. You have to. You know, like... I've been working are, on it myself. You, you I mean, so... You know, instant instant articles is a huge deal uh, for publishers. The targeted advertising that they have on Facebook, huge. Yeah. You know, big. Uh, you know, big targeting, big money. 
Um, so, I mean, they, you know, speaking from a web publisher's perspective, like they're really, you know, doing a lot of things that, um, you know, put them at a great competitive advantage in terms of attracting advertising dollars. So, um, you know, so I, I wouldn't worry about the future of Facebook like I would worry about the future of Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Because that's yeah. that's a company. I don't know. I don't know exactly how involved you were at the time because it was it was pretty early in our relationship. But um, John Worm, like Twitter, was his his boiling point. He he used to get so mad anytime a Twitter article came across. He was always the one to write it because. It was like his button. He didn't understand how they kept getting investment money when they would publicly and actively say we're not interested in coming up with a revenue stream. We don't want to figure out how we're going to make money. We have no business plan. Oh, I, perfect. Here's a blank check. Do what you want. I, <laughs> I've I, never I, seen I something piss somebody off the way Twitter pissed John off. I understand how he feels because I still like I use it. I, it's it's like not, you know, I'm not embarrassed to use it. Like I would be, I would feel a little. To be honest, this is old fogey talking. I'd be almost like embarrassed to use Snapchat because I feel like that's a, I feel like that's just like a millennial toy. But like Twitter, you know, I don't, I still don't get totally get like. A how they make money and B how they've managed to turn themselves into a into a cultural phenomenon. Like yeah. they're not really it's a lot of I think most people how if you did a poll, how many Americans or just internet users all across the world do you think would know that Twitter is actually is a business rather than just a an open platform like email? Right. Because it makes perfect sense as an open platform. You know, it makes perfect sense as a protocol or something. It's essentially SMS. Right. It makes no sense as a business. No. You know, that would be like a business email is a, the pop protocol is a business. Right. HTTP is a business. Like they provide a, you know, a method for people that basically involves send, showing them a stream of data that's been edited down that they have to edit down to 140 characters uh -huh. for reasons unknown to me celebrities use this like crazy yeah. and therefore and maybe they like people like the immediacy of it because they don't have to spend all the time that they spend writing like maybe the the maybe the fact that it's getting edited down is the is why it's successful that uh, could be i hadn't considered it, that that like from a celebrity standpoint the fact that you are so incredibly limited in what your responses could be, it actually gives you the ability to interact with your public. Yeah, it's like, look, I don't, I don't have, I don't have time, but 140 characters, I guess I have time. Right. Now they could just put 140 characters on Facebook, but I guess logic. I guess, <laughs> but I guess you know it doesn't look quite, quite right there because people actually post whole screeds. So Facebook also. Um, does not exactly lend itself to the one-on-one -on -one communication with a celebrity the way that Twitter does. You know, yeah. Facebook I mean, is kind of all about subscribing to a feed, whereas Twitter is kind of around short interactions with said feed. It's just amazing to me as a journalist, because I was doing journalism before Twitter was a thing, that 
how much I guess we're getting on a tangent a little bit, but okay. how much Twitter has become like the source of news articles. Like, did you see these tweets? Like, how, you can probably find 50 articles from reputable sources any week that are just based on somebody tweeting, uh-huh. if not more. Yeah, it in makes fact, me sad. our entire presidential election this year has been about who tweeted what. So, yeah. you know, no matter what, what, what you, who you side with, what you think of, the entire presidential election has been basically about who tweeted what at this point. So it's amazing that they've gotten this type of cultural recognition that what people are tweeting is news. Yeah. Um, so, so, good, so good for them, <laughs> even if they can't make any money off of it. <laughs> and that's uh, the important part. <laughs> and that's the important part. But Facebook, I think Facebook is in great shape. They yeah. can afford to lose boneheaded as it is they can afford to make mistakes like this right because they've got especially now like this was in their in their teen years where they were kind of bumbling around they didn't even quite know how long their arms were but they you know today they've kind of figured themselves out in the way that i think at this point none of us were quite sure they were going to be able to figure out um and you know they've gotten rid of the facebook credit concept and like you said you know they're they're really they've bought into the concept of the news feed there's there's lots of ways to get data into facebook and they're capitalizing on it in a pretty good way i think uh you know god help those of us who are in internet publishing if facebook facebook posts were ever indexed in google <laughs> i mean that probably wouldn't be the best thing for users either but but if you had to compete with all the weird facebook posts that come up that the people right in, mm-hmm. in Google search. Oh man. So yeah, they a disaster. They're just at the, I mean, they just scraped the surface of what they could be in terms of getting, getting traffic to their stuff, you know, making, making it a destination. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's a crazy destination. I mean, it's a big destination now, but just imagine what they're doing to make it a publishing platform. So right. Facebook, I, I'm not worried about you whatsoever. Cool. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Uh, make fun of movies, or, you know, let the professionals do it for you, because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000, and about half of the cast of the new show, um, are, you know, doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to... Honest to God, it's called Girls Are Better Than Ever. They have a little bit of everything. The way it usually works is for 3 or $4, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. But, of course, um, some of the stuff you don't have or can't have on DVD, Netflix, Amazon, or wherever. Uh, so they also provide uh, shorts, and some of those films can be downloaded entirely from the site. And then... From time to time, they mix things up, and they do a live show. The last one they did was an anniversary uh, reunion show. Ten years of Rift Tracks, th- uh, MST3K coming back uh, to Netflix. And uh, the next one, August 18th, in just a couple of weeks, will be Mothra. August 18th and 23rd, um, in theaters nationwide, you can see the uh, Rift Tracks team riff Mothra live. And uh, to find out what theaters you can see it in and uh, what movies are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash rift tracks with an X.
I definitely have to rebuild this studio. <laughs> Soundboard is way in an inconvenient place. Anyway, that's <laughs> irrelevant. That's my problem, not yours. Um, so I guess we get to finally wrap up our Yahoo topic. We've been talking about it since uh, Marissa joined Yahoo several years ago. The uh, the ups and downs of the corporation and um, the service and all of the things that you know of as Yahoo <laughs> are officially part of Verizon, joining what I am now calling Verizon's nostalgia unit because Verizon also owns AOL. Why? I don't know, but I have a feeling they're not going to mess around because with this purchase of Yahoo, they get one of the top visited sites on the internet. It has, in the time that Marissa's been there, she has managed to bring it to the number one visited site uh, in any given month several times, which is quite an accomplishment, something that kind of nobody ever thought would ever happen again, and she did it several times. Um and that did not count any of the uh, sub-brands. That did not count, count for Flickr or Tumblr, which is kind of impressive. Uh, just the Yahoo domain itself. Um, Verizon also gets Katie Couric in the purchase, which is kind of an interesting thing to think that Katie Couric now works for Verizon Communications. Um, kind of weird. Um, so, you know, they've... Verizon, Verizon owns. Let's think about this. Verizon owns the Huffington Post. What? They own Engadget, and they own Yahoo. What are they? What are they building up to? It's an interesting question because when they bought AOL, there were stories going around about how they didn't really want it, want it for the content. They wanted it for. I don't know, some of the other services that AOL has or, or whatever, the handful of people who are still on AOL dial-up. I don't know. Um, and we talked about the ridiculous, like the ridiculously high, surprisingly high amount of revenue that still came from their dial-up service. Right. So they are, I mean... They're proving that theory wrong. They are proving that theory. They're proving that they want to be a content company. Um now that's that's interesting because you're seeing more and more companies that control the pipe wanting to control the contents of the pipe um and i understand why they want to do that from a business perspective uh it's certainly interesting it's certainly an interesting question how this is going to affect how these sorts of things are going to affect the marketplace and we see uh, comcast owns nbc and I think some other content through that. Well, the uh, NBC Universal is right. a huge. huge. Right. <laughs> and then Verizon now owning AOL and Yahoo. Uh, so, so, so they own the nineties. So who's AT and T going to? You know, who's AT and T buy? Direct TV. Um, but direct, but in terms of content, right? Like, what, what, you know, what publishers or Broadcast media are are they going to buy? AT and T um, was involved in this uh, in this auction, right? I heard that they were that they were you know they were trying to get in on it too. So now I I betcha AT and T uh, buy some buy starts buying some content companies too. 
because two of its main competitors, um, you know, in the in the broad, you know, in the broadband space, are, uh-huh. are doing it. So, so yeah, I think I think we're going to start to see people who control the pipes, try to control the con, you know, control the content, and uh, it's interesting question about what happens if. I mean, I guess. I guess it's good that there's net neutrality uh, <laughs> rule in place uh, loosely, uh, although not for not for cellular, uh, I believe. The uh, because I mean now it's you know if you're Comcast or your Verizon, why wouldn't you you know why wouldn't you want to favor uh, Yahoo? Right. Yahoo content. Well, yeah. Why you, wouldn't you prioritize your own content? Yeah. So. Um, you know, so now, you know, now the people who serve it are, are going to be the people who, who make it. So interesting. I mean, I think, I think obviously they've never wanted to be thought of as dumb pipes. They're always, that's always right. the thing you hear about ISPs. Consumers want them to be dumb pipes and just give me my, give me my data and get out of my, get out of the way. And uh, they don't want to be that business because they think that business is a commodity, uh, you know, and they want to be, they want to be providing services, and now they want to be providing content. So, good for them. We'll see what effect it has on the content marketplace. Uh, so far, uh, you know, things at AOL seem to be going okay, as far as I hear from people who work there. It sure seems to have stabilized pretty well. You know, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe it's all for the best. Mayhaps. It's just, it's so strange that in 2016, we're sitting here talking about the the social relevance of both AOL and Yahoo. Yeah, I mean, the brands aren't what they, you know, used to be, but... But, the, but yeah, it's just your, it's, it's just the, the parent brands, because, you know, with AOL, like I said, came in Gadget and the Huffington Post, and on the Yahoo side came... Tumblr and Flickr, which uh, Tumblr is a, a hot place. Yeah, so. I, I want to put in a pitch for Verizon to buy um, Alta Vista <laughs> and Zap. <laughs> um, I think that the Pets.com domain still goes somewhere, so they should consider oh. that. Oh God, Pets.com. <laughs> Wow, and they could maybe they could get the rights to the sock puppet, uh, and hamster um, dance. <laughs> and while they're at it, my former my my former employers about dot com have been around now for for almost twenty years, uh, and while we weren't as while we weren't as old as say AOL, <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, they might need the you know investment. Um, May- actually, somebody owns them now. I oh, think it's IAC. Um, well, maybe that's who AT and T targets. Yeah, maybe. But yes, there's. Ooh, uh, you know who would be a brilliant acquisition target for AT and T? Who? Ziff. Yeah. Um. I mean, Ziff just bought Gawker, right? So. Yeah. So now you know if you want to talk about some really great content under under one roof. Um, although I I personally love the idea of publishing companies staying independent of staying independent so absolutely 
But so I mean, I don't want AT and T listening to it, giving them any ideas. But um, but if you they know. you know if they wanted to to in one fell swoop come in and take on Verizon's two big acquisitions, Ziff would be a good one to go for. Yeah, they have uh, you know they have a lot of they have a lot of great properties, especially now that they've acquired Gawker. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who work who work there. Um, they do fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic work, both on the some of the Gawker side and the some of the brand. Bag. Some of the brands and, do. So, you know, yeah, I, that's uh, you know, it's a it's a great property. It's a great portfolio of stuff. But AT and T don't listen to us. That's bad idea. You don't so, you don't really want. It. Everybody gets acquired eventually, I guess. But, I think but, that's. I think that's. But it, but anyway, yeah, it's. Um, I think I think it's. Um, I think I think it's pretty telling. I, I think the ultimate question that we probably have is whether this is going to help or hurt Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, many have tried to help Yahoo before, and <laughs> and have true. and have failed. So I don't I don't know. Like, what would you do to like what would you do to Yahoo to make it more successful? I would have given Marissa more control over what was happening but that's but i mean like what what seems like the obvious thing that they're doing wrong they held on to things for way too long they held on to old things for too long um they should have shed business units a long time ago and then there are other business units they should not have shed um that they did long ago i think i think if they had held on to uh kept MapQuest. In their portfolio, um, I think they could have been a competitor with uh, who owns here now BMW um, and Microsoft and Google. I think I, MapQuest is the thing that used to be the verb, and now it is a forgotten brand. Now, now here, now here's the thing: if my if Verizon had bought, say, Yahoo 15 years ago, <laughs> they'd be really cooking with gas because. Yahoo has a lot of services, mm-hmm. though they seem to have kind of become old and fallow. Like they have Yahoo Mail, and there are still people who use it. Yep. They have, I believe, they still have Yahoo Messenger. I haven't played with that thing in like 15 years, but I believe they still have an instant messenger app. Uh, so they have users, they have members, and they have services. And if they did have, and and. AOL also has email still existent somewhere. Um, so Verizon, which is known for also being a you know service provider, could you know could this theoretically set them up to try and compete with some of the services that a Google offers? doesn't seem like any of those services are anywhere close to good enough or popular enough right, right now but if if somebody could have nurtured them at their at their prime then yeah then perhaps yahoo would still be a contender today it feels like that ship has sailed because yeah they could have you know tried to make yahoo mail more popular than gmail or you know they could have Whatever, but now if you don't want Yahoo Mail, then the next best, the next, if you don't like Gmail, 
then you're probably on Outlook.com right. or, or you're getting mail through your enterprise or something. Nobody even thinks to go to to Yahoo Mail anymore for a, a new account. <clears throat> oh, sorry, right. for a new account. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, I mean, yes, Yahoo Messenger does still exist. I'm looking at their mobile app site right now. Going back to our conversation of a few episodes ago, so does ICQ. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and it now stores data in the cloud, so there's no reason not to use it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, I wonder if that's still owned by Verizon, too. <laughs> no, I, last I checked, it was, I think, had been absorbed by, was it a Russian company? Oh, jeez. No, I don't remember. Or uh, it was... It had been bought by by a, um, a company outside the U.S. Okay, so AOL had shed it at some point. Yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, so, yes, that is um, mail.ru uh, owns ICQ. Anyway, so uh, that's that. Yahoo is joining the Verizon Nostalgia Unit, and we will see with time what that means for both Yahoo and AOL, who... Verizon now owns kind of competing services. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they shed some of those, if Marissa stays around, you know, it'll be interesting to see what some of those decisions are. Um, obviously only time will tell. Yep. We will see. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. Uh, 40 plus million songs available right now to stream unlimited and download unlimited on up to three devices. Uh, You get a free 30-day trial no matter what that 14-day email you recently received may have said. We will give you a free 30-day trial to see if you like the service. After that, it's $9.99 a month. And uh, you can also purchase a one-year subscription for $99.90, which means you save two months uh, you get for free. And um, with the anniversary update for Windows 10 coming in just a couple of days, there is a whole refresh to the Groove Music application um, that adds some really cool new features that uh, I think you will enjoy. So now is the time. If you have not done it before, now is the time to get your free trial by going to f5live.tv slash groove. All right. And uh, to round the show out, uh, we will talk about Netflix, kind of. Um, My... Anybody who knows me knows that I love television. I worked in it for a while. I worked on the news side, which kind of explains this show a little bit. Um, But um, I have always been a a fan of well-written scripted series. And um, right now, my absolute favorite series is Stranger Things. It's only eight episodes, but everybody involved is brilliant. Netflix original Abram and I were talking before the show. He's watched the first four episodes. I watched the entire series two Sundays ago, two episodes before, and six after our show. Because I could not walk away. It pained me to come into the studio 
and do the show because I did not want to walk away. I had it playing here in the room right up until our call started. And I'm not kidding about that. I have shows like that sometimes on Netflix that I, or usually it's Netflix, but I also have a subscription to Amazon Prime. Uh, like I, I couldn't stop watching Man in the High Castle on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. Uh, that's a fantastic show. And uh, Bosch is a pretty good detective show that Amazon puts out. Uh, but Stranger Things, oh, fantastic show. Uh, wonderful, wife, wonderful, like 80s nostalgia in it. And even um, the theme song, everything. Right? The the opening is is so appropriate. The um and I saw a supercut of side by side uh shots from Stranger Things and then E. T. and Aliens and they're like they're almost identical side by side shots, which I thought was pretty cool. The best I, I heard about the show a few months ago. Um it was originally going to be called did you know it was originally gonna be called Montauk? No, and it was going to be set in a town on Long Island called Montauk. Huh. Uh, and for some reason, they decided to set it in Indiana instead, and to call it Stranger Things. Uh, but anyway, the, the description I heard of it, which it lives up to absolutely perfectly, is it seems like a movie that was a Steven Spielberg movie that was made in the eighties. Uh, it's yeah. somewhere between like the Goonies. And E.T. and something much more horrifying. The, the Goonies uh, was another one where there were side-by-sides. So, and, and like, it's set in the 80s, and it's perfect because the perfect feel, the music, everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic mystery horror show with kids riding around on bikes looking for things are they running around on bikes maybe yeah. maybe the bike part of making up but no you're uh, not there but they're the you're not because they're looking for things there's an et bike scene side by side in that in that supercut <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it feels just like you're watching goonie or et but with yeah. something a bit more sinister maybe it's yeah. more along the lines of you mix those together with i don't know alien Eh, I think I might. well, you know what? Maybe if I watch the next four episodes, see more alien like. But, uh, but well, the uh, the the suspense and the there's yeah. obviously something going on, but you don't always necessarily see it. So maybe even like a little bit of Cloverfield in there, where you know something's yeah. going on, but you don't necessarily ever see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yes, it is a fantastic show. Uh, when I found out I was watching it, and she's like, now she wants to watch it, so I gotta wait till for her to catch up. Because uh, she would probably be upset if I watched the other four episodes by myself. Otherwise, I would have already done it because uh, because it is a fantastic show, and I would have absolutely already seen you know every episode of it. And the uh, kids in it are so good. Oh, they are. They are. Netflix has made some really fantastic television. I'm not yeah. one who likes all the shows, uh, but uh, but that's that a good sign. Fantastic. That's actually a good sign for Netflix because it means that they are not trying to cater to one type of consumer. Right. The I'm, fact I'm, that you don't like everything on there is yeah. is a good sign because it means a diversity of content. It's just some of those things on there are not my type of thing. Like Absolutely. Orange is the New Black and uh, House of Cards, which I know people, a lot of people love. Right. Uh, I got really into the Marvel shows, you know, sure. Daredevil, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Oh, and uh, bad news on those two. We won't see any new episodes until 2018. 
Oh, really? Yes, I sir. Oh, but we are going to get um, Luke Cage the, uh, in yes. September or something, right? Yeah. So, and, and hopefully we're going to get Punisher soon because I just finished watching Daredevil. I was late to getting to watch it. Daredevil season two. Did you, did you have you watched all of that yet? I haven't. Oh my god. So good. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you know there are some shows though. I think you might agree that like you watch it and you watch through it because you really want to see what happens at the end, and then you get to the end of it and you're like, eh, I could have. Yeah. No, I I felt while I was watching it that I had to get there, but now that I watch it all, I kind of don't think it was that worth it. Yeah, I I don't feel that way about the Marvel shows. I so I far don't feel that way about. Uh, so far, really don't feel that way about Stranger Things. Yeah, you won't. I do kind of feel that way about Sense Eight. Did you watch Sense Eight? We won't talk about that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean. While I was watching it, I loved it, and I really wanted to watch it. And then I got to the end of it, I was like, this is a little corny. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. I didn't get uh, that far. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, I think I watched because there were a couple of characters I really liked. But I was like, eh, you know, well, I watched this. I'm not so eager to see the second season. <laughs> but uh, if there is, if there isn't going to be one. Uh, but There's been talk like, of it on and off. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's that's a great show, and it really shows that Netflix can can make some fantastic television. Uh, but, but speaking no, of second seasons, that's what we're here be. to that's what we're here to talk about. Stranger Things, in less than a week, on uh, on Netflix was renewed for a second season, and the producers had a lot to say about it. Really interesting stuff. Like for one. Um, if you have not started watching it, um, plug your ears for a second. Um, the the creature, the main enemy of the show, there is a 30-page document written by the production team that explains all of the stuff that we don't know. All of the stuff that when the, the final episode closed, we all went, wait, but what about all of that stuff is in a very long 30-page document? And that is what season two will be. It is set up to be more of a sequel than a second season. It will not be a direct, like, it doesn't pick up the next morning. It's it's a, a more sequel style than second season style, and it is designed to address the uh, the thirty pages of information that um, we all wish we knew at the end of the last episode. <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil too much of it, partially for Avram and partially for anybody who has not started watching it. If you have not started watching it, shame on you. Start tonight. Uh, we will be done with this show in just a couple of minutes. Go turn on Netflix and start watching it. I am not kidding. Two words, Winona Ryder. Right? And uh, yeah. and the guy who uh, who plays the sheriff. He, oh, yeah, David Harbour. He was really good. He's uh, He was uh, one of the, the principals, uh, pr- principal actors. I apologize. I Like I said, I've worked in television. One of the principal actors, uh, characters from uh, the newsroom on HBO. He was uh, Elliot Hirsch, which is one of my all-time favorite shows because I love Aaron Sorkin. I know not everybody does, and I don't care. I don't care if you don't like Aaron Sorkin. I think he's brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so 
already set up for a second season, and if you finished the series, you knew that already, because they did not make any secret of the end of the eighth episode being ready for more. Um, so, yes, uh, second season already approved, already greenlit, and it will be set up as a sequel and not just like a story continuation. I have a lot of theories because the kids played D&D a number of times throughout the the eight episodes, and I think they teased the second season in the game, but I'm not going to say any more than that. Just whenever they're playing the game, pay attention to, because I think they're teasing the second season while they're playing because they already teased the first season. How many shows... <laughs> Just, I have a question for you. I don't mm-hmm. have the total answer, but I but I bet you do. You may. How many shows have actually shown people playing D and D A and shown it in a like positive light as part of the plot? Not many. B. I can't think of any. I can't think of any others. I think in an episode of X Files, the lone gunmen were involved in a game. Almost certainly. Uh, but that was just like an aside. Someone walked in and they were playing a game and. And then there was some movie with Tom Hanks where where he ended up going to hell or something for playing. Um, so, but in in this case, it's like it's a part of the story. Like it's an important part of what's happening. Right. So I give them incredible props for for doing that. And as someone who was actually doing that during that time period, <laughs> actually playing D anD D during that time period a lot, uh, I so wholeheartedly approve. My my timeline was a little, little after that, but I was also playing, so, so I appreciate it as well. But it really takes me back. I can, I can see like th- the game gave a lot of information about the first season, and I think it also gives some information about what we'll see in the second season, which, if I'm right, I'm very excited about because the storyline that they set up in the game should be fascinating fingers crossed i i kind of hope that when all of this is said and done it turns out that the kids are actually controlling the storyline like that the game that the main kid is the the kid that's playing as the dm i'm kind of hoping that he is controlling what's happening and he doesn't know it I don't think that's going to be the case, but I would that would be so fascinating if that's the way it ended up going. Anyway, the point of it is for everybody who has loved it so far and those who will love it soon, because um, I can't imagine there's another opinion on the show. Uh, there is more coming. We do not know when. We do not know what. All we know is that um, we will find out answers to some of the questions that were not answered uh, in this season. So... That is our show. Thank you to everybody who has joined us this evening. If you have joined us live, we appreciate it. If not, that is okay. We appreciate the subscriptions as well. Um, We love our fans no matter where you are. Um, If you would like to join us live Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us, you can chat with us in the studio, ask us questions, comment on the topics as we talk. It can be a lot of fun. If, you, if not, that's okay. F5live.tv. Uh, the subscribe buttons are on the right-hand side. 
You can subscribe to this, the Pilch Point, special events, uh, 3000 Brigade, first looks, and a couple of the new series coming soon um, as we announce them. Uh, <laughs> we have some changes to make, I think, in the next couple of days, but that's okay. Um, we will announce some new shows over the next couple of weeks we're very excited about. Um, we've got some special events coming up. Uh, in particular, in August, we have um, MizuCon in Miami, which means a 3000 Brigade show, which will be a tremendous amount of fun. We will do likely do a, uh, a co-branded uh, podcast from there. And uh, other than that, hopefully... There will be nothing weird going on, and we will be able to have a full month of regular shows. Let's let's hope. <laughs> It'll be nice to have a schedule that is back to normal. Anyway, um, so I guess on that note, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.